With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the show on Tuesday, the 3rd of January, the first show of 2023. And by God, it's going to be a bad one. Uh, Liverpool lost last night, so my mood is, well, you know, it's not great. Uh, 3-1 to Brentford. 
Uh, an Ibu Kanate own goal on 19 minutes. Johan Wiese made it two on 42 minutes, having previously had two goals ruled out for offside. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain got Liverpool one back on 50, but Brian and Bomo made it three on 84. And while Jurgen Klopp, Jurgen, Jurgen Klopp, Jurgen Klopp spent his post-match press conference crying about referees' decisions, that wasn't why Liverpool lost. Liverpool lost because they were awful. It's as simple as that. They were genuinely dreadful. The game went for 96 minutes and barring 20 at the beginning of the second half, Liverpool's performance was nothing more than pathetic. They deserve to lose and they deserve to lose more games if they continue to play like that. They deserve to lose against Leicester the other night. They were that poor. Um, they weren't very good against Aston Villa. They haven't been good since we came back from the restart. And the hope was that the World Cup break would act as a reset for Liverpool, and it hasn't. They've been just as garbage as they were in the first half of the season. And now it's no longer an issue of the players. It's an issue of the manager and the coaching staff. And they need to sort this out, and they need to do so quickly. And for more thoughts on that, do check out the Daily Red on Anfield Index. And I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Congrats to Brentford. An outstanding performance. So much better prepared. So much better coached. So much more aggressive. So much more desire. So much more desire. And they took the chances. And like I say, they scored five goals. Two of them were, were rightly disallowed, but they deserved the win. No question about it. Uh, We have three games tonight in the Premier League. We have Leicester City against Fulham. Leicester City currently sit in 13th position. They have not had a good start back to Premier League life either. They were trounced by Newcastle 3-0, didn't reflect the dominance. They lost 2-1 to Liverpool. They were actually quite unfortunate to lose that game. They were the better team, but Wood Faze did mental things and cost of the game uh tonight they need a result because fulham will be full of confidence they've won both games since coming back they beat oh we have four games tonight not three excuse me that's my mistake anyway fulham they beat crystal palace palace were shambles but they beat southampton then uh having been pegged back to 1-1 they scored a late goal uh showed that continued fight and desire and got a win. And they will be full of confidence as they come into this game. They currently sit in eighth position. A win will put them into seventh ahead of Brentford. And it's great to see Brentford and Fulham doing well in West London because obviously Chelsea are letting West London down as a whole. Chelsea currently sit ninth. Um, Moving on to the next game. It is Arsenal top of the table, versus Newcastle, currently third in the table. Newcastle had a disappointing draw against Leeds. After that win away to Leicester, they were expected to go home and and dismiss Leeds, but a disappointing draw. Arsenal have won both games back. Didn't look the most convincing for long patches against Brighton, and that defence looked a little bit shaky, but they got the win. Back-to-back wins since the restart. They'll be favourites tonight, but that should be a good test for both teams, and we'll see how it plays out. 
Moving on, we have Everton versus Brighton. There's a there's a waft of nil nil in the air, though Roberto De Zerbi is not quite as dull in his football as Graham Potter was, and Brighton do seem to have realised that you know you can score more than one goal in a game. Uh, Brighton have won one and lost one since the restart. They beat Southampton. They lost to Arsenal. But they lost to Arsenal with four starters missing and did cause Arsenal a lot of problems. So I, I think they'll go into this game confident. It is a way. It is a way to Everton, which will be tough. But I do think Brighton will go into this game confident. Everton got a draw against Manchester City. Uh, they currently sit 16th in the league. Brighton are 10th, just in case you weren't you weren't aware. Um, so Everton are only one point outside the relegation zone, which is less than ideal. Uh, Frank Lampard has now managed the same amount of games at Everton as Steven Gerrard did at Aston Villa with three points less in the Premier League. So the draw against City, look, City should have beaten them comfortably. But they defended as well as they could. They threw bodies in front of the ball. They kept that deep line nice and compact. In the game before that, they lost 2-1 at home to Wolves. Yerimina had scored early. Padence and Aitnuri scored to give the win to uh, to Wolves. Wolves probably deserved that win on the balance of play. They looked the more dangerous team. Everton had more of the ball, but looked quite sterile in possession. Looked like they didn't really know what to do with it a lot of the time. I think this will be a fairly dull game. I wouldn't expect many goals. Um, I wouldn't expect many goals any time Everton play, frankly. Uh, and then the last game is Manchester United versus Bournemouth. United have started back well, uh, back-to-back wins over a dreadful Forest team. And then the 1-0 win away to Wolves. It wasn't a great performance by United, but Marcus Rashford has been a big difference maker for them uh, since coming back from the World Cup. Bournemouth Bournemouth look a bit of a lost cause, if I'm honest. They put up no real fight against Chelsea. They put up no real fight against Palace. And I'm not expecting to see much of a fight tonight against Manchester United. I would expect United to win. Uh, If we look at the four games, I would expect... I would expect a Leicester-Fulham draw. I would expect an Arsenal home win, but I think a, a close game. I'll go Everton and Brighton the draw. I think United will beat Bournemouth. What are we doing with injuries for this game? Let's have a quick gander and see if there's anything that might change change my view. Injuries. Let's see. Let's start off then with Leicester. Leicester, no James Justin out for the season. No Johnny Evans back in February. Ricardo Pereira, they hope back in February. Madison out for another few weeks. Dennis Pryat out another few weeks. Patson Daka and Ryan Bertrand out. No timetable for their return. So those aren't ideal things. Uh, for Fulham, Kurzawa, about a week. Manor Solomon, they're hoping to have back in a week, which would be great. And then Niskin's Cabano, probably done for the season with the ruptured Achilles. I think 
Are we seeing more ruptured Achilles these days than we had previously? Or is that just me? Um, Arsenal, no Gabby Jesus, no Emil Smith-Rowe, no Reese Nelson. The Toon, no Shelby. Isak is back in training, but he won't be back to play for another couple of weeks. No Matt Target, no Emil Kraft, no Paul Dummett. So, look, they'll be they'll be close enough to full strength because Isak hasn't really established himself yet. Shelby's not part of their best midfield. Uh, and Target and Kraft are the backup fullbacks while Dummett is just a squad player. Brighton and Everton next. Everton, no Garner. He's out for about a month. Onana is suspended, which is a big blow because they, they'll miss his power in midfield. Anthony Gordon and Yerry Mina are ill, but they might be okay to play. Michael Keane is out and no timeline for his recovery. And Andros Townsend's still out dealing with that ACL and he's had a bit of a setback. Brighton, no Jakob Motor. He's about two months away. Adam Webster, probably for the next game. Danny Welbeck, probably for the next game. Alexis McAllister, there's a chance he plays tonight. He's now back after winning the World Cup. McAllister helps. Having Caicedo fit again helps. Webster's a blow because Levi Colwell's very talented, but Webster's the best defender they have at that club. That should be it. It should be a big boost for them, though, to get Alexis back. Alexis and Caicedo, very, very important. Um, Bournemouth. Uh, Tavernier out. Brooks still out. Neto still out. They're hoping to have them three back in a few weeks. Ryan Fredericks, he's got a knock. He's not expected to play tonight. Stanislas is an issue. And Philip Billing should be back for tonight. He obviously had to go off early um, in a recent game. and It's just a, a minor injury. It's nothing too serious, they hope. Manchester United, Delow probably back for the FA Cup. Um, Lissandro Martinez, still drunk, I assume, but you know he might be back for tonight. McTominay is expected back. Sancho, whatever's going on. Greenwood, you know, and Tunzebi, he's he's out for a while. Um, yeah, the injuries don't don't change my view. I'm, I'll, I'll go Leicester Fulham draw, Arsenal win, Everton Brighton draw, and a United win. I think United will win comfortably. I think they should win comfortably. I saw, so I've been saying that United have been playing Ollie Ball, that they brought in Ten Hag to play this, you know, possession-based pressing football like he'd done at Ajax. You know, it's it's a it's a, a knockoff of Guardiola football, the same as what Arteta is doing, the same as what Xavi is doing at Barcelona. It's the Pep Guardiola coaching three. And I've been saying it's Ollie Ball because he played his style of football for a game and a half and then abandoned it. And I saw uh, a stat yesterday that they have the second deepest defensive line in the Premier League after Everton. Now, if Everton, who basically defend on their six-yard line, are the only team with a deeper block than you, you're playing Ollie Ball. You are. You're playing Ollie Ball. You're a counter-attacking team. 
And that deep line is not because of Deleuze, it's not because of Maguire, it's not because of Shaw or Malasia, because it's what needed. Martinez can't play in a high line in the Premier League. Shaw as a centre-back can't play in a high line in the Premier League. And obviously De Gea can't play with a high line. It'll be next season, I think, before we start to see what Ten Hag can really do. But to his credit, he has gotten decent results of late and he has United moving in the right direction. But, you know, we've had full stones with them before, so we'll wait and see. Should be a decent game, a decent night of games. And then there are four more games tomorrow and one on Thursday. Sorry, two on Thursday. No, one on Thursday. One on Thursday, then a day off. Then it's the FA Cup uh, over the weekend, which it's third round Saturday. I love third round Saturday. I'm actually really looking forward to it. Uh, Not looking forward to watching my own team play. Hope they lose because don't want to be in the competition anymore. But I do love a good third round Saturday. Um, do you know what? We'll just quickly go through the league table and have a look at which clubs need need to make signings this month. Some don't need to, but will. Like Arsenal, they don't need to make any signings. They're top of the league. But they probably will buy somebody. Mikhailo Mudrik looks like the most likely candidate for them to bring in. I think City need to go out and make a signing. I think City need to find a winger with real pace. I think... I said this on Twitter the other day, and some people disagreed, a lot agreed. I I think Haaland has made them worse. Because... And I don't think it's his fault, but I think they focused so much of their effort on getting him the ball and creating chances for him that the rest of the team have lost focus of trying to score their own goals. They're also considerably worse defensively because Haaland doesn't offer anything off the ball. It's a little bit like Cristiano Ronaldo, except Haaland's not doing this on purpose. Cristiano was. He's an incredible goal scorer. And I think you can obviously win all the honours with him in your team. But I think you have to set your team up slightly differently. And I think Pep needs to have a look at bringing in a winger with real pace to stretch the def- the opposition defence. When they were at their very, very apex under Pep, they had Leroy Sané on the left wing, who just had game-changing pace. They don't have anybody with that now. And I think they need to go and address that more than anything else. Go and find someone that can really stretch the field with their pace. Because it's all very one-paced. Haaland's lightning. Foden is quick. Obviously, Kyle Walker is fast. Outside of them, Bernardo's quick enough. De Bruyne is a power runner, not a not a pace runner. Gundigan's slow, Rodri's slow, Grealish is pretty slow. He, he's not Grealish is quick, he's quick, but he's he's for a winger, he's slow enough. Because he can't play him anywhere else. They're just they're too one paced. I think they need to get a real outball. And it doesn't have to be an elite level player. But if you put Musa Diaby on their left wing with Foden on the right wing, 
I, I think that would be a game changer for them. I really do. And just held the Abbey. Just beat your man and get the ball in. Beat your man, get the ball into the box. Overhit your crosses, don't underhit them. Because if Haaland doesn't get to them, you'll have Foden coming in on the other side. That's what I think they need to do. <laughs> the tune is difficult. There's clearly areas of their team that can be upgraded. But do you risk messing with the chemistry that they've developed if you add a senior player into that group? Like they've been linked with Yuri Tielemans. And Tielemans is an excellent player. He doesn't really fit into how their midfield works. Like they tend to play Gamerish and two workhorses, be it Willock, Longstaff, Jolington, whatever. And Tielemans does work hard, but he works hard at a slow pace. Willock is quick. Jolington's quick. Longstaff's a bit one pace, but I think if you're going to move forward, you either buy a real number six and play Gamerish as an eight and alter the team that way. If, he, if you're going to change how the eights work, it should be with Gamerish, not with somebody else. Or if you're going to keep Gamerish as your six, go and buy real high intensity number eights, guys that can get up and down at pace. So I'd be tempted not to mess about too much there if I was them. United could do it with a number nine, but isn't it worth just having one last look at Anthony Martial? When he seems like he's focused and invested, isn't it worth just giving it one last look? Rather than going and investing another little money, he's still only, what, 25, 26? We've seen him have a good season under Ollie, playing this type of football. So maybe they're better off just running with what they have. Tottenham, they've got to address that defence. I'm sorry, but Eric Dyer, he's not, not nearly good enough. Ben Davies is not good enough. And the goalkeeper is not good enough. If if you want to be a real top four team, that goalkeeper's not good enough anymore. He was, he's not anymore. Liverpool need midfielders. Uh, there's just no reason to go into it any deeper than that. They need midfielders. Brentford, I, I still think a backup to Ivan Tony is absolutely a must, but they look good without him last night. I just don't know how sustainable that'd be across the long run, especially if he does get banned. So I would say they should probably look to find um a Tony replacement or backup I don't know that I'd mess with what Fulham have other than to look for a right back who can start regularly for me and give me even 6 out of six out of 10 I don't know that I'd do anything else I don't know what Chelsea are doing they're just throwing money around left right and centre now it looks like they are going to get Enzo Fernandez, which he's phenomenal it's a massive fee but he is a special player him and Kovacic in midfield, if they go 3-4-3, Reese James, Kovacic, Enzo and Cucurella, that's a hell of a four. Fafana, Koulibaly and Badia Shile as a back three, I think is going to be really strong in time, but will take some time because you've got two young centre-backs who are error-prone. It's just going to take some time, but the promise is there. You've got Obviously, big question marks at the other end of the pitch. But if Nkunku's coming in, is he going to be your 
nine as like a false nine with two goal scorers behind him off and whatever? Or is Kai going to be the nine with Nkunku and say Sterling behind? If that's the case, I don't know where Mason Mount fits, but I would certainly say that after Enzo, you should probably just take stock of what you actually have. You know, you've got Nkunku, it looks like, lined up for the summer. You should probably figure out what you want to be and how you want your team to play. Their books are going to be an absolute pantomime when they come out for this year. There's no way they're not losing an absolute fortune. and There's no way they're not loading the club with debt. There's no way they're not. Todd Bowley has been borrowing money left, right and centre to fund this. $260 million in the summer. Badia Shile, the two young midfielders they brought in, uh, one young midfielder, one young attacker, Datro Fafana and Andre Santos. On top of Badia Shile, that's $60 million. Enzo's about 110 That's 170 That's 430 Plus Nkunku is another 60-odd. You're pushing five hundred million. You're pushing five hundred million committed in a few months, six seven months, and Kepa is still your goalkeeper, so that's probably something you want to look at. And we still don't know what you're going to do up front. There's still not really a goal scorer. It's quite remarkable, and it's not going well. It's not going well at all. I mean, look at <laughs> look at what they've what they've been doing on the pitch. They were awful against Forest. They were absolutely dreadful against Forest. The two early goals against Bournemouth kind of settled them in that game, and Bournemouth didn't po- didn't pose any threat. But you know, before the break, they lost four in a row in the Premier League. And there's already fans who are not happy with Graham Potter. Now, the flip side of it is, despite being ninth, one win could put them into seventh. They'd only be they're only seven points behind United as things stand. So we'll see. But when you try and change your whole team in a couple of months, it can be. Problematic. Uh, Brighton need a striker. (laughs) As simple as that. Um, Crystal Palace, I think right back is becoming a big issue. I I, I really think it's becoming a big issue for them. Um, And I think they could do it one more in midfield. But they don't need to do anything. They don't need to go and act in in this window. Those things could be sorted in the summer. But if I was them, I'd ring Chelsea about Conor Gallagher and just see if he's available even if it's a loan with an option to buy. Because I think he's about to get pushed out when Enzo arrives. Uh, Aston Villa. Don't think they need to do anything. I think there's a lot of talented players there. I think they'll, they'll probably add somebody, but the main thing now for the rest of the season is for Emery to put in place his philosophy, his ideas. Leicester need a centre-back about as badly as anybody needs anything in this league, Leicester need a centre-back. 
Uh, Leeds United needed a centre-back and they have addressed that. They have signed Max Wober. Um, he's a, look, he, he's a solid enough centre-back. He is a little bit inconsistent. He has had a couple of moves that haven't really panned out. He started out with Rapid Vienna, went to Ajax. It didn't really work out there for him. He went on loan to Sevilla and then permanently to Sevilla and it didn't work. But he's done fairly well for Red Bull Salzburg. And I think Leeds have paid about fifteen million to get him in. Jesse Marsh is familiar with him, so let's see. Let's see how he does. Um, it is notable that since Jesse Marsh took over as Leeds manager, uh, Aronson, Christensen, Tyler Adams, and Max Wober have all joined. All players he's previously worked with and had. Uh, strong knowledge of so he does seem to be having quite a big input on their transfer policy Bournemouth need to find Jesus is my view because I, I, I think they're I think they're in serious trouble I would be stunned if Bournemouth are in the Premier League next year I think Bournemouth staying in the Premier League is a bigger long shot than Arsenal winning the Premier League. And I don't think Arsenal are going to win the Premier League, even though City look a bit flawed at the moment. Uh, Everton need to find somebody who can score a goal, preferably a wide player who can also help you know, create for Calvert-Lewin. West Ham, honestly, they need a new manager. Moyes has taken them as far as he can, and this is this is an unacceptable season, and I think they need to look at moving him on because he doesn't know how to use the players he's got. He doesn't know how to use Skamaki. He doesn't know how to use Paqueta. You're going to lose Declan Rice in the summer anyway, and doing this is only going to exacerbate things. Um... Nottingham Forest, with Loic Bade gone, I think they'd probably do well to look for a centre-back. Wolves have Matthias Cunha coming in. Outside of that, I don't think they need a whole lot. I, I think Wolves are going to be fine. Uh, Southampton need a goal scorer. Simple as that. They have to go and find a goal scorer in this window. They are been linked today with the young Argentine midfielder who... Is very, very talented, but they need a goal scorer as well. So they've got to go and find a goal scorer as well as getting in. Uh, help in midfield is needed, for sure. They're short in midfield, but they've got to find a goal scorer too. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll run through four days' worth of gossip, and that'll be us for today. See you in a sec. Right then, four days' worth of gossip. Let's get into this. Um, obviously, some of this is a little bit out of date because things have happened since. Saudi Arabia side Al-Nazir want to sign Cristiano. That's done. And Sergio Ramos. It also looks like Bobby Firmino might be heading that way. Manchester City are willing to offer $10.6 million a year to Rafael Leao. His father has been in touch with the Premier League club. Now, he has that type of breakaway pace. I would prefer a natural winger. He's more of a 
inside forward, but he would help massively with the lack of pace. Shakhtar Donetsk chief executive Sergei Palkin said negotiations are continuing with Arsenal over Mikhailo Mudrik after they had an offer of 55 million rejected. Even though he's a right-footed left-winger, he's the type that City should be after as well. Uh, Shakhtar are using Anthony's £86 million move to Manchester United from Ajax as the benchmark in negotiations, and rightly so. Birmingham's former chief executive, Jundong Ren, says Manchester United and Chelsea made failed attempts to sign Jude Bellingham in 2020 despite offering huge salaries. That's fairly well known, I think. Tottenham forward Lucas Moura is expected to see at his contract and join Sao Paulo in the summer. Good move for him. Rui Costa says Enzo Fernandes will not be sold for less than his release clause. Benfica are lining up Maximo Perone as a replacement for Enzo. He is the midfielder who is being... Oh, he's the midfielder that's going to Man City. He's going to Manchester City. City have him locked up. He's 19. I think he's going to join in February, the end of the window, whatever. Uh, He's meant to be very, very talented. I haven't seen him now, to be honest. Chelsea have agreed terms of Ben Obadiashile. That's common knowledge at this point. Uh, Tottenham manager Antonio Conte wants to sign 20-year-old Piero Hincapier from Bayer Leverkusen. He'd be a perfect fit in their back three. He's excellent. France forward Olivier Giroud has, has agreed to extend his contract at AC Milan. It's a good move. It's a good move for everybody. Jorginho wants to see out or wants a contract extension at Chelsea, but could be tempted by a move to Napoli. If they're signing Enzo, Jorginho's not getting a contract extension. Uh, Chelsea are making progress in talks with N'Golo Kante over a new deal. Fulham have been offered Rick Carsdrop as he has fallen out of favour with Jose Mourinho. Makes sense. Makes sense. Chelsea made a bid to sign Cody Gakbo before he joined Liverpool. Chelsea make a bid to sign everybody. Um, my man Scotty Tuchel is obviously the new manager of Club Bruges. You're probably aware of that already. Benfica say reports that they are ready to sell Enzo Fernandez are totally false. This is from Saturday, so obviously things may have changed. Uh, if the move falls, if the move falls through, Chelsea's contingency plan is to sign Alexis McAllister. I, I don't know that Brighton will do business with them. They're apparently fuming with both them and Newcastle over the, the theft of staff. Real Madrid are ready to spend over €100 million Euro to secure Jude Bellingham. Jorginho wants to return to Napoli. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to read that anymore. Real Jimenez is likely to leave Wolves in January if the club succeed in signing another striker. That makes sense. Leeds are now the only team in pursuit of Villarreal left-back Alfonso Pedraza. He's decent. He's decent. I like what Strieg's done this season, though. Aston Villa are interested in Gerard Delefeu. Makes sense. He, he's he's a decent player. Makes some sense. Brian Hill wants to go back to Valencia, where he was previously on loan, and make it his wish in January. Wolves target Victor Giorquez is going nowhere in the trans window, says Coventry City manager Mark Robbins. I'm not being funny, but if Wolves make a good offer, Coventry will accept. Tottenham are interested in signing Laurent and Nigeria striker Terry Mofi. Um, this 
might solve their goal scoring problem. Let's have a look and see. Let's have a look and see what kind of record we've got here for. Thirty-two goals in eighty-three games seems to be having a really good season this year. Poor last year, but good the year before. Yeah, I mean, six-two. I know he's quick. That could be, that could be a really good move for them. Um, they absolutely need to sign someone who can score goals. What's his actual record this season? 10 in 16 in 1,200 minutes. That's pretty good. 10 goals in 1,200 minutes is pretty good. That's pretty good. If Southampton can get that deal done, they should push ahead and get it done. They desperately need a goal scorer. Uh, Frankie De Jong has had a change of heart about Manchester United and wants to join them in the summer. Who knows? That's true. Chelsea have reached an agreement to sign Ben Obadi Ashile. That's David Ornstein. So you can take that to the bank. Manchester United and Chelsea could engage in a bidding more for Denzel Dumfries. Chelsea shouldn't. United shouldn't either. Deleuze is, is playing well. Give him a chance. Manchester United are monitoring develops, developments with Borussia Mönchengladbach and France forward uh, Marcus Turam. I could see him fitting in. I could see him fitting well at United. Arsenal may be able to sign Leicester and Belgian midfielder Yuri Tielemans as the Foxes have made a £20 million bid for Azadine Onahi. I think Angier said they wanted 35 So we'll see. Everton have reg- registered their interest in Anthony Alanga. I like Alanga, but he doesn't solve their issues. He's not He's not creative enough. He might get a few goals, though. But is he any better than Gordon or Gray? I don't think he is. Arsenal striker Follerin Balogun may leave the club with AC Milan interest in signing the 21-year-old who is currently on loan at Reims. He's very, very talented. A very, very talented player. Borussia Mönchengladbach's 21-year-old midfielder Quadio Kone is a target for Newcastle and Paris Saint-Germain. Manchester United could be on the lookout for a new goalkeeper in January after Martin Dubravka was recalled from his loan spell. It looks like he was recalled so that he could be sold to Leicester, who's rightly need to upgrade their goalkeeper. Now, he'd be a short-term fix for them, but he is an upgrade on Danny Ward. Arsenal have triggered a clause to extend Bakayo Saka's contract by a year while discussing a longer deal. I haven't seen that reported by anybody um, reliable. I'm just going to check and see who the journalist on this one is. Uh, Adrian Kajamba. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. So I haven't seen anybody else report that, so we'll wait and see. Norwich will hold talks with former Huddersfield manager David Wagner as they step up their bid to replace Dean Smith. Leeds are interested in Southampton striker Che Adams and the 26-year-old Scotland forward would consider a move to Elland Road. Saints should probably do that as well if they can get a decent fee from Adams would fit better with how Leeds play as like an alternative slash backup to Bamford. He could also play with Bamford. And if they sell him, they could maybe afford to bring in said striker and the midfielder that they've been been linked with 
Cristiano Ronaldo has a clause in his contract that allows him to play for Newcastle on loan if they qualify for Champions League. I don't believe that's true. I also don't believe Newcastle would want him unless the Saudi overlords push that through. Uh, Ben Obadi Ashid is having his medical today. Liverpool are exploring a deal to buy Matthias Nunes from Wolves in the summer. Could have had him last summer, but Liverpool being Liverpool, they were too stupid to do that. Uh, England midfielder Jude Bellingham is set to meet Borussia Dortmund officials this week where he will inform them of his desire to leave. The German club will seek a fee of around £100 with another £40 in add-ons. No club has ever set a price like that, ever. So that's nonsense. Um, Arsenal, Manchester United and Chelsea have been approached about signing João Felix, but Atletico Madrid are seeking a €15 million loan fee plus plus €6 million to cover his his wages. rather. £15 million loan fee for six months. That's fairly impressive. Um, Arsenal have submitted another bid from Mikhailo Mudrik. Manchester United and Bayern Munich are interested in Randall, Colo, Moani, but Eintracht Frankfurt want 60 to 70 million euro for him. That's excessive. That's excessive. Um, Man City are set to win the race from Maximo Peroni. That's fine. Newcastle are set to continue talks with Flamengo over 18-year-old midfielder Matthias Franke. He's meant to be talented. I haven't seen him play. Liverpool are interested in signing two central midfielders between now and the end of the summer transfer window. The fact is they need at least three, probably four. So that's not going to fix it. Manchester United want to keep Harry Harry Maguire and Scott Tominay in January to maintain strength and depth. It's not strength and depth if you never play them. You play McTominay a little bit. You don't play Maguire anymore. Nottingham Forest are willing to let Emmanuel Dennis leave the club just five months after joining from Watford. That has been a disaster. I don't know what's gone wrong there. But him and Bade already been shipped out suggests that the recruitment was not aligned, which is something we're already aware of. Brighton boss Roberto De Zerbi hopes Argentina midfielder Alexis McAllister stays with the club. At least until the end of the season. Um, okay, ESPN are now saying that they've activated Arsenal have activated club uh, clauses for Saka and Saliba. Again, I, I haven't seen the Saka one reported by mainstream. Who is it at ESPN? James Ollie. James Ollie, I think, is fairly clued in at Arsenal. I think he's fairly clued in. Um Uh, N'Golo Kante has interest from Barcelona and Al-Nazir, but he could sign a new contract with Chelsea. Juventus and Borussia Dortmund have joined the race to sign Spanish right-back Ivan Fresneda after Newcastle made first contact with his club, Real Real Valladolid. I can't speak properly. Real Valladolid. Uh, Netherlands forward Memphis Depay will leave Barcelona on a free transfer in the summer rather than seek a January move. And Xavi has said he doesn't expect anybody to leave. He thinks it's going to be a very quiet window. Barca's finances are an absolute travesty. And it is genuinely amazing to me that he has, or that that they're able to function. Like, they are an absolute mess from top to bottom. Carlos Alcaraz is the midfielder that, Brighton are after. 
Sorry, that Southampton are after. There we go. Right, that's it. That's me for today, folks. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. I promise I'll sound better tomorrow as well. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.